You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Good morning. Let me just encourage you as I start this morning. We are getting ever closer to the day where we open that cafe in 422. Last week, a company that uh, they've been liaising with for quite a while have committed to volunteering their time and expertise and also the materials to do uh, some of the lighting and the power in the upstairs hall plus a few things in a number of other places with the decorating, the flooring and the plumbing all for free of charge. It is amazing the links, the networks, the generosity of people in this city to stand with us, to commit to what we believe in, to commit to what we're committed to and to see the fingerprints of the hand of God all over this project is amazing. But I just again want to say thank you for the hard work to some of you, many of you that are ploughing into making this dream a reality. Thank you for your faith, your trust and your servant hearts. And I do believe our best days with this are are ahead of us. It's so exciting and inspiring to see what is stirring. You know, last week I was continuing the series that I've done called Led to the Lost, but I started a talk called Pointing to Jesus, and I rapidly realised I wasn't going to be able to fit it all into one week. So this is the second part of it. If you haven't listened to the previous one, I really want to encourage you to. I think it's important. I think it's vital. Equally, you could listen to this one without having listened to that one and then go back to it. I don't think you have to listen to them in order. But we're doing this series called Led to the Lost. We want to gather the lost, but also release the found. We need to be equipped and ready and prepared to reach out to others, to have a heart for it, a desire for it, and the realisation that this is on God's heart for us to do. And among us, uh, when we meet people, when we gather and we start to regather and there's people among us. Honestly, it should be a crisis for us if there is a person among us who doesn't know anybody and they're alone. It should be that we would prioritise chatting with someone we don't know of it rather than prioritising chatting with somebody that we do know. Friends could wait. And what we want to do is introduce someone we, do, we don't know to somebody that we do know. That's how we start to build relationships and friendships. Then we do everything we can to relate to them in the moment. You might add them to Facebook, get their number, share details with them, start to intentionally bump into them and to include them in what we're doing. And the more we do that and we more we do that and the more we do that, we will create family um, orientated environments that are inclusive for people to come and be part of, to be healed and restored, to discover more of Jesus and then to uncover him to those around them. We want to reach out to the lost and we want to draw them into community. This series that I've been doing, I've been basing in the book of John, I mentioned uh, last week, but if, if you read John 3, 22 to 30, you're going to see four things, I think, that... Um, you start to see John the Baptist's perspective on ministry, his pattern for ministry, his pleasure in ministry and his purpose in ministry. I think there's loads we could take from this and understand in this, but it's perspective, pattern, pleasure and purpose. Let's, let me just read again to us John 3, starting at verse 22. It says this, Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptising people. 
At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing Aaron near Salim because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out about John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody's going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know that how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I'm filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and I must become less and less. You know, let's just look at those four things I mentioned. But the first lesson from John is his perspective on ministry. Perspective on ministry. John 3, 27. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. John understands that God is sovereign. Everything good that happens in John's life is because of God's grace. Right now, it would be good for us to renew that perspective for ourselves, to realise and to understand and to hold dearly to the fact that God is the giver and the sustainer of life. So often we don't live like that because our thinking and our judgment gets clouded with everything else. The realignment of our mind to this perspective is a significant and an important reset for us because it lifts off worries because we don't need to carry them. Burdens and pressures can evaporate because they aren't ours to carry in the first place. There is a bigger picture to this. As people flock to John and they're crowding around him, listening to him speak and all of that, it would have been quite natural to him to think, do you know what, I'm, I'm not doing too badly here. I've got it all together and do you know what, actually I'm quite good at this. He might have taken a look at the scribes and the teacher teachers of the day and he might have thought you know what well they've wasted a lot of time on their training they've got nothing on me I've got all the tools and all the competence to do it on my own but he didn't do that he saw and he understood the divine origin of why things were going well John said no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven imagine if we live like that if we grasped and understood it that way that we can do nothing that we have no success apart from the kingdom of God. You know, when the Apostle Paul was dealing with division and jealousy in the Corinthian church, he said something very similar. He said in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, he said this, dear, dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I'm saying. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from the scriptures, you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of no another. For what God sorry for what gives you the right to make a judgment what do you have that God hasn't given you and if everything you have is from God why boast as though it were not a gift see everything we've received is from God so what do you currently find yourself with think I've got an abundance of this or this is my thing this is what I've got you know is it whatever it is is it financial provision or physical ability or compassionate heart or the gift of teaching or a hunger and a heart for hospitality whatever it is comes from God 
John's perspective was that God is control, in control. God has brought these people to him, and if God takes them elsewhere, that is up to God to do it. No result, no thing is ever as they're always gods he has the authority to do with us and whatever we have in any way he likes it's his to do it he spends us how he likes you know we'd often say we're just loose change in his pocket we get mission drift when we focus on ourselves rather than on god when we focus on our achievements our accomplishments our abilities our victories our crowd that's when we get mission shift because people often build a crowd round themselves for something. You know, it might be the insecurity that causes them to talk about, about their thing, their job 24-7 or the career path that they followed. We've got to be so careful that we don't dominate because it's not about getting life to point to us. It's about pointing ourselves and anyone around us to Jesus. It's about God and what he's doing. It's about pointing people to Jesus, not gathering or pointing to people to us. We've got to hold on to that healthy perspective. So the first P is perspective. The second one is this pattern of ministry. It's pattern. John reminds his pretty grumpy disciples he's not the Messiah. He says, I'm not the Messiah. He emphasizes Jesus. It's not important who John is. The only thing that matters is who Jesus is. And I want to say this. The reason God so powerfully used John the Baptist is because John recognizes his own inherent nothingness compared to Jesus. Isn't that it? Isn't that just it? that we want to focus on. Imagine if people could say the same as us. The reason that God so powerfully uses me or so powerfully uses you is because we'd recognised our own inherent nothingness compared to Jesus. You know, Martin Luther once worded it and said it like this. He said, God created the world out of nothing. When I realise I am nothing, perhaps God can create something out of me too. You know, God doesn't need me to accomplish his plans. He, he can do it without my help or my supervision or my permission. And it kind of almost sounds a bit funny for me to even say that out loud because of course he can. But I think sometimes in the way we live, we often miss that. Only when I fully grasp that, can he really use me? What will it look like for us to pour ourselves out as an offering dependent on Jesus, not on ourselves? John's role was significant. I don't want to diminish that, but it's about his heart posture and how he uses it. Even Jesus himself says of John the Baptist in Matthew 11, verse 11, he says this, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. However, John knew that his role was to point others to Jesus. He wasn't the story. He just needed to share the story. John's front and centre mandate was to tell others about Jesus and what an impact a group of believers can make in a community when each one is consumed with a passion to spread the message of Jesus. Imagine if each one of us said, like John said, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. I'm just here to point people towards him. What a pattern of ministry that would be. But what is our pattern of ministry? Right now, we're in a time where I, I honestly think this thing in the next stage is going to take some real oomph. 
if I can use that word. You know, it's kind of like launching a rocket. The first part needs incredible resources and drive to make it happen. Come September, we are going to have to, as a church, collectively push hard. I, I want to be honest with you, though. I've never stopped pushing hard. I've always been pushing hard. I think that's kind of part of it. What it is. Last last week, I can I can I just challenges on this because I kind of went there a bit last week. But my fear is the pandemic is in danger of making us a bit sloppy, you know, almost a bit lazy, living a sold out kingdom life, Jesus centered life, is seriously hard work. What is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Let me let me give you an example. Try Paul, 2 Corinthians 11. He said this, I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more. I've been whipped times without number. Faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've travelled on many long journeys. I've faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well as the Gentiles. I've faced dangers in the cities, the deserts and the seas. I've faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've been hungry and thirsty and often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then beside all this, I have the daily burden of the concern for all the churches. Paul found it hard it was hard 1 Thessalonians 1 2 we always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly and as we pray to God our father about you we think of your faithful work faithful work it was work your loving deeds and your enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ we think of your faithful work you know the thing he did the thing they were doing was work nobody ever said it would be easy one of the biggest dangers we face is becoming despondent because it's hard work and we think or we thought it should be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I think it is incredibly hard work to live a sold out life, kingdom orientated life for Jesus. So if it was hard for Jesus, will it not be hard for us? Hey, I am tired. But what worries me is when I hear people say I'm tired on the inside. Do you know what I mean? You'll be tired on the inside if you don't find your place of refreshing and resting in Jesus. If you find it anywhere else, honestly, I believe you'll be tired. John 4 verse 13 said, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But anyone who drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will be a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. There is a myth that it is not going to cost you. It is going to cost you. It cost Jesus everything. It is meant to cost us everything. My question is just will you make sure that you're paying the right price? Because we find a cultural obsession at the minute in rest. Replenishment through rest. I need to step back, step out, take a break, have a period off. All that kind of language. Hey, actually, I want to say maybe for some of you, you do. I'm not criticising you. If you feel that is right, don't hear me wrong. Rest is important. I'm just saying the cultural obsession with it deeply troubles me and worries me when people jump on that bandwagon. I'm not trying to grind you down to the bone. 
Don't get caught, though, in the culture where the popular buzzword that everyone is writing the latest book about, the, the buzzword is, hey, the, the pandemic is my opportunity to reset my rhythm because I was too busy. Maybe. Maybe. But can I just push back on that and saying, were you busy doing the wrong thing? Were you too busy being busy? Were you too busy consuming? Maybe you were too busy. But what I'm saying is if you think that it isn't going to cost us anything, if, if we're associating cost and busyness as the same thing, hey, honestly, it's going to cost you something. It's going to be hard work. John 4 verse 6 says this, Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily, beside the well about noontime. Numerous times we see of Jesus that he was tired, he was exhausted, he was hassled by the people, unable to get away from the crowds, exhausted from giving himself to others. Verse 44, he said this though, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work, nourished by doing and nourished by doing the will of his father. You were created to do stuff you were created to worship God it's just what and who we worship that matters because you were created actually for all out devotion of God and that's going to cost you we've just got to make sure that the cost and the all out devotion is on Jesus that we're worshiping the creator rather than the created that we're worshiping Jesus rather than the idols of the day you know I read some stats this week um that the average UK person, the average person spends three hours, 23 minutes a day on their devices. Man alive, that is time spent on the wrong thing. Jesus got tired, but he was spent on the right thing. He sat down and he asked for water. Why did he ask for water? Because he was tired. Because whilst fully God, he was also fully man and he got tired. He was tired and he needed refreshing. Where does our refreshing and replenishment come from? It comes from Jesus. Isaiah 40 verse 28. Have you not heard? Have you not understood that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows weak or weary. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and he gives strength to the powerless. Even youths become tired and weak and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar high on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. The decisions we make now will alter and affect what it will look like in the days ahead. Yes, Jesus absolutely can restore and he can redeem, but I want to encourage us, make wise choices. If you choose to take the foot off the gas in your relationship with Jesus, in your love of him, in your serving of the church, in your serving of the city, in your desire to live out the purposes and plans of God, it will affect the days ahead for you. I've seen it so many times. Forget the pandemic. That's just the new vehicle for it. It's always been there. I'm tired. I'm stepping back. I'm done. It's hard work. It's costing me too much relationally. My time and my energy. Guys, when I'm tired, I don't say I'm not going to small group. 
or at least I don't make that a habitual choice. I step in because I need people around me to encourage me, to stand with me, to walk with me, to cheer me on, to reveal the truths of Jesus and help me see the unveiling of his works and his wonders because my nourishment comes from doing his will. I trust that the Lord will renew my strength as I wait on him. I don't step back. I come to the fountain of life and I drink and I drink and I drink and I drink. You know, honestly, you can always find another excuse or another reason. I think it's the same with children. We could now hide behind our children. We could be hide behind the tiredness sometimes or the logistics or the busyness that comes with it. But we don't. I don't believe that. I believe it's a family business. I'm not taking a five-year step back while they grow up a bit. I'm not taking a break. I want them to see the things that we get to see. I want them to be part of this thing. I want them to come along for the ride and see the faith steps that we get to make together. It's a family business. Yeah, without a doubt, it has an impact on us, on them, and therefore also at times on you. But without a doubt, there are days where it has to be that and it needs to look slightly different. But overall, we seek ways to let them be part of what we're doing. I can think of no greater joy than allowing them to see something of the kingdom of God lived out in our lives and getting to be part of what Jesus is doing in their lives, in this church, for them, not just for us, but also in this city and serving it. You know, I can think of no greater joy than that. I had the pleasure last Sunday night when we did the, the worship thing outdoors, our eldest daughter joined us, hearing her behind me singing to Jesus, asking me for the words so that she could sing along to him, taking the Lord's Supper together on the way home, hearing her tell me about the conversations she'd had and interactions she'd had with people, the little moments that she'd had. But the thing that she said she loved the most was singing to Jesus, worshipping Jesus, I'm not saying we always get it right. I'm not saying our kids are never a bit tricky or do naughty things. But I want them to know Jesus and the way they're going to see that and know that. I'm not passing them over to the church and saying, you disciple my kids. It starts with us. It starts with us modelling it and living it out at home and involving them in the things of the kingdom. And I want to challenge you to do that. Don't step back, find creative ways to step in. Honestly, if what I've just said, some of that is offensive or wrong for you and it goes beyond what is just a biblical thing that is healthy for you to hear where it offends your heart to reveal your mind, then honestly, lay that aside. Lay that aside. I'm not saying rest is wrong. I'm not saying cane yourself. But what I want to say is if you're withdrawing, even subconsciously, I'm trying to help you realise that because I want you to maximise all that Jesus has for you and potentially your family or whoever else it is around you. I hope that's helpful. Third P, pleasure in ministry. John compares Jesus to a bridegroom. John compares Jesus to a bridegroom and himself to the groom's best friend, the best man. His role was to prepare the wedding festivities and make sure the wedding went smoothly. The best man's job was to make sure the bride was there and that the wedding could begin. Once the groom shows up, much of his job is done. He did what was asked of him. When what best man, after filling his duties, then gets angry because the groom showed up and married the bride? That's the whole point of the whole thing. 
John's point to his disciples is that Jesus is the groom and the bride has come to marry his bride. Sorry, and the groom has come to marry his bride. John doesn't matter anymore. He's not significant. He doesn't have a part or a role to play anymore. Jesus doesn't, sorry, John doesn't want people to ignore the groom and focus on him. His whole point is just to point and to lead people to Jesus. His joy comes from watching the bride and the groom together. John's use of language and his illustration is not random. You know, throughout the New Testament, we see the same imagery applied to Jesus and his church. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. We want to be people that find pleasure in doing the will of God, in loving his church and in spending ourselves on his cause, finding pleasure in him. The church is the bride and Jesus is the groom. The apostle John was given a glimpse of the wedding at the end of time. Revelation 19 verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honour to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride has prepared for himself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever seen it that way that when we worship it's like a preview of the wedding our good deeds are part of this we spend ourselves on the things of the kingdom the bride of jesus the church comes to the groom to renew and recite the engagement covenant that has been made he loves us in spite of our unfaithfulness and our spots and our failures but we come to worship and when we do we look on the face of the groom and we see the one who loves us with eternal love John's pleasure didn't come from popularity. It didn't come from influence. His pleasure was seeing the bridegroom appear. His joy was complete in the coming of Jesus. Not because of anything he did or said that was successful, but because Jesus was there. The one he was longing for and hoping for as a saviour for his sins was present among him. Do you seek and find and maintain your pleasure? In Jesus and Jesus alone. If not, where do you seek and find and maintain your pleasure? Does it yo-yo from one thing to the next? Do do you have to do something, buy something, be something, control something? John's model to us was that we find it in and from Jesus alone. He's our pleasure and he's our treasure. Perspective, pattern, pleasure, finally and briefly, purpose. John's purpose was to achieve, sorry, wasn't to achieve fame and recognition. By the way, what is yours? Have you ever thought about it like that? What's the bullseye that you're aiming at and aiming for? It will alter so much for you to get the target right. John's aim and purpose was to bring glory to Jesus. He he lived so that the fame of Jesus might increase. Neither personal ambition nor growing in the estimation in other people's eyes was what motivated John. At the first opportunity he had, John encouraged his followers to follow Jesus. Not only in this passage, but we see it earlier in chapter 1. He sent Andrew and the other disciple to follow Jesus. 
You know, ministry drift happens when we start when we stop thinking about Jesus and we start thinking about ourselves. We have to evaluate things. We have to evaluate things. You know, when when it starts to become about what we like or dislike, you know, it's we start to lose our purpose. We have to challenge ourselves on this. Next time you're tempted to complain about something, ask yourself the question, am I complaining because the glory of Jesus is decreasing or because this is becoming about me? Do you see what I mean? We could filter so much through that funnel to shape ourselves because Jesus must increase. But that's only going to happen when our wants, our desires and our likes start to decrease. Because, you know, when the, when the sun appears... The stars are unnecessary. John the Baptist was the star, and when the sun came, he faded. You see what, see what I did there? Bit of a dad joke, but anyway. It's not about us. Jesus came for others. It's not about what do I get. That's not the question. It's about what do I give, and that is it could be a subtle and subconscious question that frames so much. You will find freedom, joy, and the richness in your walk with Jesus when you spin it from what do you get to what do you give. Just just for a moment, stick a few things through that filter. What does small group give to me? It's not about that. What do I give to small group? What does my church give to me? It's not about that. What do I give to my church? What does my family give to me? It's not about that. What do I give to my family? What does my spouse give to me? It's not about that. What do I give to my spouse? What does my employer give to me? It's not about that. What do I give to my employer? We could go on and on and on, stick some things through that filter because John's purpose wasn't for him and what he got. It was for Jesus and what he could give and redirect to him. We prefer and we defer to Jesus. Perspective, pattern, pleasure and purpose. Let me, let me just pray. Over us, pray with us. Just open your heart. Allow yourself just a moment. Let the Lord unravel and speak some of this to you. Where actually your mind has been offended, would it reveal your heart? Where you've been offended wrongly, I just pray that drops off you. But actually I think the Lord really wants to challenge us on some of this. Let's just pray. Spirit of the living God, fall upon us, refreshes, refuelers, energizes and engages for the next chapter ahead. And where we've stepped back and stepped off where the pandemic has robbed us of things that has caused us to, to, to almost sit dormant, I pray for a refueling moment right now that we come to the stream of living water that all who drink of you never thirst again. But some of you, I think it's a, you, you've almost diluted that God is even good. Come back, God is good. Let that be the benchmark. But some of you are tired and you need to thirst and drink only of what the Lord gives, not the world or culture. You know, for some of you, I don't think, I, I don't think it's a pleasure at the minute. I think it's become a chore. And I just want to pray that there is a refreshing over you, that this is a pleasure. It is a joy and a pleasure to serve Jesus, to give rather than to receive. Some of you are just, you need an affirmation moment. The Lord needs to speak something over you. It's got a bit confused. You found it in other people or places or it's become a pride thing or, you know, you, you, even in a group setting, you're just wrestling with the wrong thing. It's not about you. But the only way it cannot be about you is if it's about Jesus because you get your affirmation 
from him and him alone. I pray that lands on you, that you receive that in this moment. It is a legitimate need, but you've received and fed it in an illegitimate way. I just want to pray for a complete shift and U-turn on that, a repenting, a breaking and a releasing of the power and the spirit of God upon you. Jesus, manifest your presence among us as a church. Prepare our hearts and our minds. Bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. I think there's someone in your... In your um, oh, there'll be loads of things. The Lord will speak to you and speak to you through others in the church. Reach out to each other in the, in this moment. I feel one of you... Um, I'd love to know this, actually. Could you let me know? But I feel you've got a tightness in your right leg between your foot and your knee. It's, it's, it's not necessarily actually the bone. I think it might be muscular, but it's a significant pain you've had. Uh, I don't know what that would be like. I don't know, muscle tendon sort of thing. Uh, but even moving it, stretching it, is causing you pain. I just pray in the name of Jesus, if that's you right now, that, that we speak healing over your physical body. Pain be gone. I think someone has a, a pain in their left lower um, set of teeth in the in the wisdom tooth right at the back. I, yeah, actually you're in pain with that now Lord I just pray healing over that inflammation be gone settle that tooth if it needs a new tooth let it be recreated I think there's there's someone where you've just like anger has just started to build in you like you're getting angry about things you don't even know why I just want to pray release of that with the peace of God calm you settle you just level you in your heart and mind jesus we welcome you where you are there is power and so there is power now power for healing power for freedom power for release power to allow us to worship you afresh turn our hearts attention from the things of the world from the created onto the creator lord let it be so spirit of the living god land on us fall on us refreshes refill us in, in, in increasing measure oh bless you bless you bless you reach out to somebody this morning don't don't stay a stranger reach out connect with others we leave you just with some gentle music don't disengage from what the lord is doing and speaking into you right now we treasure these moments as he ministers to us Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.